0: Good Choices, a holistic conversation about dance, art and life with Sabine Parza. Hello everybody, this is another episode of Good Choices, a holistic conversation about dance, art and life. I'm Sabine Parza and I'm very happy to have Alicia Grayson as my guest today. Alicia has been called a medicine woman healer. She is a dancer, teacher and performer of contact improvisation since 1989. She is a life coach, a somatic psychotherapist. She teaches biodynamic breathwork and trauma release. She also teaches yoga and pilates and authentic movement. She has been active in engaging in different performance projects, in organizing labs and festivals. She has taught at several universities internationally, at many festivals and institutions. She currently lives in Boulder, Colorado. Her main quest and passion in life is embodying her essence and supporting others in embodying theirs. I'm very happy to bring to you a podcast episode with Alicia Grayson. Hello everybody, this is Sabine Pazer and this is an episode of Good Choices, a holistic conversation about dance, art and life. I'm here today with my dear friend, Alicia Grayson. Alicia is a dancer, a teacher and a performer of contact improvisation since 1989. She is embodying her essence and supporting others in embodying theirs. She also has a website which is called Embodying Essence and I would very much like to talk about that with her. Alicia is a life coach. She's a somatic psychotherapist. She also works with biodynamic breathwork and trauma release. She's a contact teacher, a yoga teacher, Pilates, and an authentic movement teacher, which we share in common. Um, Alicia has taught improvisation and contact improvisation internationally at universities and at different festivals and institutions, and she currently lives in Boulder, Colorado. Hi, Alicia. I'm so happy to see you.
1: Hi, Sabine. So good to see you too. Um, as mm-hmm. usually
0: when I know people really well, I try to figure out when we first met. Um, I have a very strong memory of meeting you at the Contact Festival in Hungary when we shared a room during the festival. Do you remember that?
1: Yes, I absolutely remember that. Yes, that was what just flashed in my mind was that sharing the room there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that was two thousand and. Eight? we don't. Some, that, some I don't remember. Yeah. What year? Yeah. yeah, it was a fabulous. It was such a little community because we were all staying in a hostel, and Sarah Shelton Mann was there, and um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and all the other teachers, and it was just like this little hub of of uh, of a community. And I just remember retrieving to my room and then having these wonderful conversations with you back then. And for me, that was also when our friendship started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Alicia, Mm. you are such a versatile um, person. I mean, you work uh, really, I would say, in two major fields, or you also combine these two fields, which is something that's also very much to the core of my work, which is on the one hand dance as an art form, but also healing, coaching, therapy. And uh, I'm really interested to talk to you about Merging these two, where is it sometimes more in the one end of the spectrum and sometimes on the other end of the spectrum? But before we go there, I would really love to introduce you as a person. I would love to hear a little bit about your story, where and how you started dancing and how those early experiences uh, shaped your life.
1: Well, I thought very early on I thought dance was just ballet and I wanted nothing to do with it because I didn't want to wear pink (laughs) and dresses. Um, And then I had a a modern dance teacher in, I don't know when it was, first grade or something, and I did not like her personality, and she had a little chihuahua in a basket that she'd bring to the dance classes, and it would try and bite you (laughs) if you got too near. So that really turned me off of dance. However... Um, when I was a teenager, I remember just loving to boogie dance Mm. and feeling, wow, this is a way I can express myself that I couldn't with language because I was very shy. Um, so that, that was, I think where I really, oh, and also, uh, contra dancing and square dancing. I love that right from the start.
0: I think for our European uh, listeners and viewers, you have to explain contra dancing and square oh, dancing. Oh, it's like
1: folk dancing. Uh-huh. It's like folk dancing, yeah.
0: I think square dance so is, it's, is, is, is with country music or is that specific uh, musical style? It's,
1: it's like fiddle, like a violin, but with a more, uh, yeah, playing in, not in a classical way, but... But it's um,
0: steps, right? It's specific steps that steps. you learn and it's steps.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you're doing it in a group of four or more. Uh, yeah. So, um, let's see. And then, then when I got to uh, college, I um, I decided to take um, some modern dance classes, and it was extremely difficult for me because I couldn't follow steps. <laughs> So a lot of the times I was in tears in the classes. However, a friend of mine introduced me to contact improvisation, and and that was 1989, and um, I really took to it. Do you remember um, where it was? Yeah, Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. And did and, you go to a gym
0: uh, or to a class? I took a
1: class. Okay. I took a class. And I'm going blank on um, my first teacher's name right at the moment. But she was awesome. Still is awesome. <laughs> it may come she to me later. She obviously
0: left an impression on you. Yeah. yeah. So was it like an immediate yeah. spark or an immediate falling
1: in love with the former? Or was it just like, oh, there was something no, completely new? Well, I was new. actually, yeah, I was actually working on uh, doing farm work then on organic farms. So it was at the end of the day and I was physically exhausted. So I remember coming to class, (laughs) falling asleep a lot or almost wanting to fall asleep. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, there was something about it that, that I stuck with. And then I did move to Virginia a couple years later, took a modern dance class at a local university. And the guy who taught it, Brad Stoller Um, he was bringing contact into it. I was like, oh, yeah, this thing, this thing I love. And we ended up for 10 years dancing every week together. Wow. Um, So he was a huge influence. And it was, I think, just because I took this modern dance class as a community member, it reintroduced me to contact. And then that's when it really took off. I went to start going to the local jams and going to workshops and studying and really uh, diving into it in a big way. So do you remember
0: your first, like, physical sensation when you were in these early experiences of doing contact? Like, what was, I mean, obviously you didn't have to learn steps, but what was it that was so delicious about it?
1: Oh. Well, the the fluidity the compression the weight the co-creation i mean it's all the things i still love (laughs) um and i just remember so many times with brad we didn't hardly talk we just communicated through the dance and at the end of the dance we go that was great see you next week We wouldn't talk. (laughs) So much happened in the dancing. (laughs) Fabulous.
0: (laughs) So, from the beginning on, you had a very long term committed dance partner relationship. I mean, 10 years, that's a really long time.
1: Yeah. 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 No, that was, um, I think, a huge part of my um, formation as a dancer was having that regular. Yeah, commitment with somebody else who just was super passionate about about the form, and we would dance. I mean, some huh, there were some years where because he, he stayed at my house because of work, um, he lived a couple hours away, and we would get up at seven in the morning and dance in this church in the little local town. <laughs> And then we'd, we'd go off to our work and go, okay, see you next week. Have a great week. <laughs> um, so there was a big commitment um, from both of us and passion. And
0: since I know, you know know
1: a little bit about you, I also know that, I mean, you have
0: really long-term um, dance partnerships. I mean, you've been living in Boulder, Colorado for how many years now?
1: Yeah, I actually um live outside of Boulder up in the mountains. Um in a near a town called Nederland and um I have been dancing with a group called Tumblebones for 16 years. And
0: you meet regularly, and, right? You meet regularly. Yeah, we
1: meet every every week. That's amazing. Although the pandemic has changed things a bit, but mm. yeah.
0: But that's a very long committed uh research time where you really get to know each other and practice the form. I mean, I, th- I think there's something that happens really over time when you get to not only um, dive into something so uh, regularly but also where you change in it, where you are able to change physically or emotionally. Or I mean, you've done so many trainings also. I mean, I would imagine in those 16 years so much has happened in each of your lives so that mm-hmm. it is really sort of this constant denominator, and you keep on moving with that. It sounds sounds really beautiful.
1: Yeah, it is quite something to witness. You know, to reflect back on when we first uh, first started dancing with each other and how it's evolved since. Yeah,
0: just to go back a little bit to your early story, you grew up in a farm on a farm. With your family? Yeah, in part, on a farm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. And is it as uh, romantic as uh, one might imagine? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, I love the farm. I love nature. I, um, you know, the animals and the just having the nature sounds and smells and being outside all the time. Um, so in that way, yes, very romantic. I mean, you know, there's... Also, lots of work to be done and complexity of, of, as an older person when I lived on the farm, you know, of making it all work and making the family relationships work <laughs> and all that. Um, but it was a huge influence on my life.
0: And do yeah. you feel like it has shaped your relationship to nature? I mean, it seems kind of obvious, but is it still something that yeah. is important to you?
1: yeah absolutely i think I think I was just born to not um, love living in cities and I loved living in nature and it's mm-hmm. been that way ever since i mean i just i don't thrive in a city i thrive in nature mm-hmm. and um, um, I think a lot of the principles i i focus on in dance are, are mirrored in nature.
0: Could you elaborate?
1: Yeah, well, in contact improvisation, we worked so much with the physicality of, of ground and rebound, for example. And, you know, that, that is evident in, in the plants everywhere of their roots and then their extension and, and out into space is uh, one example. And then, for example, flow with water, just just the witnessing of the flow of water and nature and streams and rivers and the waves in the ocean is such a teacher in how um, we can be in our own bodies.
0: I would maybe i mean i I haven't been to visit you in the place where you're at, but I've heard about your house and I've heard about the place, but there's also a certain amount of roughness to it um as far as I know Colorado I mean the mountains is they're they're not always um comf- it's not always comfortable to live in nature and it's not always comfortable to be in our bodies also <laughs> I mean there's a mm-hmm. certain amount of uh challenge to also navigate ourselves with, um, with environment, whether it be an environment of being with somebody else or in relationship with somebody else. But um, there's also um, a, 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 a relationship that is kind of real also about nature, especially when you live in not just on the beach with the sun every day right you are in a place where there's a lot of snow there's i mean there's no snow right now which is what i heard from you but how does it affect you how does it affect your physicality also that you live in a, I would say in the mountains where there's a where there's
1: not always sun and warmth right um well the first thing that's coming to me is um Something around commitment to showing up regardless of what the weather's like or what the conditions are like mm-hmm. um, So for example, I try to go outside every morning and do a morning practice So I went out this morning. and it was quite windy cold wind so I got my hat my mittens and my down coat and and I do my um, morning movement practice outside and um, So I think there's something about that, um, yeah, that it's not necessarily soft conditions, that it's sometimes um, harsher conditions, but showing up anyway, then actually you meet, you meet life. And I feel like sometimes, oh yeah, I don't feel like going to dance maybe, or I don't feel like showing up, but I show up anyway, Mm -hmm. and then you meet what's there. so that's the first thing that comes to me when you ask that question. Mm, beautiful.
0: Yeah. You um, you studied environmental studies at University of mm-hmm. California. Uh, how did you mm-hmm. transition into making a profession out of um, teaching dance, offering yourself the way you offer yourself to the world now? Um, mm. How? how can I imagine those early years in Alicia's life? Was there a time when you like really said, okay, this is what I'm when this is a decision that I have to make to fully commit myself to this path or was this a gradual sort of development?
1: It was more gradual and organic. I, I would say, um, I, moved back to Virginia to the family farm and I was helping run that and I was doing some environmental work there. And that's when I, how old were you then? I was, um, oh gosh, that was 1991. Um, and that's when I connected with this, um, friend Brad, where we danced every day. And then I started going to local jams and such. And then somebody asked me to sub a contact class. And that was the beginning of then offering a weekly class and then going to places and studying with different people. So it was a a gradual uh, transition. And then I started, then I took a yoga teacher training and, and then several and so on. And so it became, you know, gradually more and more of a focus was the, Uh, teaching movement, yeah.
0: Was there ever a time when you like had to make a decision? I don't know if you like financially if you were making your money off of farming or environmental work or like was there ever a place and or was that so gradual that you didn't even notice
1: it? It was more so gradual I didn't even notice it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it was very gradual. Because I had multiple jobs, <clears throat> Uh-huh. yeah, it wasn't like I was just doing one thing. No. Yeah.
0: Um, your your website is called Embodying Essence, and when I look at uh, your uh, y- when I look at all the elements that you bring together, my heart just kind of goes, oh, <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's me, you know. But. Um, mm. I love I love that, and I love that about you also when I work with you. I mean, we've been co-teaching for quite some time now, and I feel so at home with you as a co-teacher, mm. because I feel like we share we share real commitment to physicality and em- embodiment, which is also a word that I would like to talk to you about. but uh, mm. really sharing a th- a trust also in the physical uh, full on exploration of what what this physicality can do, but you also bring to the work an enormous amount of uh emotional and spiritual perspective and training also as a body psychotherapist and with all the trainings that you you have been doing. Do you feel like any of of anything on that spectrum is something that you most identify with right now or is it is it just a movement where you sometimes move to this end of it and that end of it or it all sort of interweaves in your work anyway or is it it do you know what i mean like do you have to focus on something specifically or is it all present at all times anyway
1: Mm. gosh well that's a huge question um i think there's And you mentioned it early on that even for you, your focus is partly the healing aspects and partly more the expressive and and creative. And that's very much true for me. Mm -hmm. And there's times dancing when I just, it just feels like pure expression and creativity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not interested in the, you know, not least in the foreground of the healing aspects. Um, and then there's other times, other moments, I should say, um, where the healing is in the foreground because I do work with people in somatic psychotherapy and with trauma release. Um, and, and it's very body based. And so I, I feel like there's these two kind of ends of the spectrum and then there's a whole, um, area of gradation in between. Um, and I think that's the ongoing curiosity and journey for me is seeing how these get woven together. Um, and sometimes one like like a color in a tapestry is like really in the foreground and really bright and the other may be receding, but they're ultimately um, super interconnected and influence each other.
0: Beautiful. We could do this many lifetimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Completely, <laughs> yes. I can, but I imagine you also can. <laughs> mm-hmm. So rich, right? There's so so much richness yeah. and so much um, nourishing information. I mean, I sometimes feel like if I shift my focus more on the compositional elements or the creative elements, there, that that healing just kind of happens on its own, or it just kind of mm-hmm. like like um, cra- like creeps in without having its focus. Yeah. But because I'm there, or because you know participants come who are similarly sort of like minded, they they will also find uh, healing qualities within that. And then at the same time, I find it also if I'm like thinking of my body work sessions, sometimes I feel like that's just. Art also. I mean, you can have a compositional yeah. sense when you do, when you do a healing session, both uh, verbally or, or physically in a bodywork session. I think that's it's so lovely to see how um, how it's not separate, but sometimes it needs different attention or it needs a different setting yes. also.
1: Right, and also I think there's, um, you know, it depends also being in a teacher slash therapist role sometimes the um the work on the healing level then supports the expressive um the expression that can come out that may not otherwise be so free to to um to be expressed i'm I'm just thinking of some people in particular right now that um you know that because of their history they have more limited or historically have had more limitations in their ability to express and as they start to heal that starts to open up more and more and then the creativity can flow more
0: and that needs a safe space and i think uh,
1: absolutely yeah yeah.
0: and with a therapeutic background or at least some training in it i think there's a a space holding quality that emerges, um, that gives freedom to more creative expression. I mean, it's sometimes quite that simple, but it's also something that I feel like I'm, like I'm, I'm receiving that feedback very often that people are, are mm-hmm. feeling safe in a way to also dive into their inner worlds, which is often also, of course, the basis for an expression on an on a artistic level. But we sometimes forget right. that or we sometimes I think, you know, with all these in all these years of doing art for art's sake, I think that was always something that bothered me is, is that it kept on being so focused on presenting something to the outside or being so focused on um, sort of an outer image of what this might have to be. And that if we include the inner body, if we include an in um feeling body also not just the somatic world but also a uh, an in-depth permission to feel and include include also the subconscious i mean if we're talking about including uh the practice of authentic movement i mean so much of this also working Mm. with unconscious elements are working with archetypes working with um yeah parts of ourselves that we don't know or we we might um don't feel so comfortable with and so when you when you are as a as a teacher or when you are as a therapist when you are just simply aware of that space i think we also give permission to our participants to dive into those areas would you agree or do you think it's more complicated? Yeah, than... and
1: I think it doesn't even need to be explicit. Yeah. Sometimes it's just yeah. the energetics of yeah. people feel safe because they know you <laughs> you've been there. You you understand on a on a cellular level. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't um, even
1: need to be spoken.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. People feel that mm-hmm. energetically for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you write in your bio about a heartbreak that you had in your life. I don't know if you want to talk Mm -hmm. about that, but it sounded like it was a catalyst in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to share that or if you want to share how it uh, propelled you on your journey and the trainings that Mm -hmm. you've taken or in the changes that you've made in your life.
1: Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this, um, this was about uh, over 10 years ago. And I was with a person that I just thought, I thought this I would be with for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. We shared a lot of things, including the love of dance. And, uh, the relationship ended suddenly and, um, I was heartbroken. And it was the perfect key for me to open the, the unprocessed, the unattended to wounds in myself, which was quite a journey over a number of years. And actually, I simultaneously, I had just signed up for a couple of somatic psychotherapy trainings right before the breakup happened, so the timing was perfect. Um, But the essence of it is... um, it really comes back down to self-love and, um, (laughs) pretty simple. (laughs) It wasn't a simple journey to get there, but, um, so having gone through that real dark night of the soul of, um, you know, really not wanting to be alive at times and, um, learning how to, Befriend myself and love myself in a way that I didn't even know wasn't there before. I just didn't know mm. um, and that this person who I literally wanted to kill at some points <laughs> um I eventually completely forgiven and forgave and um and that there was nothing about him that changed. it was completely about me. So as I work with people now, because of going through that i i know I know deep in myself that that transformation is completely completely possible for everyone and um, and it's so worth it. <laughs> It's so worth it <laughs> because holding on to hate or resentment or any of that has actually not not much to do with the other person. It has to do with yourself. Yeah. And when you meet that in yourself, then so much opens up. Yeah. And again, we're back to
0: uh, commitment,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: commitment to the process and commitment to self, um, when mm-hmm. we co-teach, um, you have also—I um, don't—we have included something that you propose in your work also, which is a, somewhat of a contract when you enter uh, a, a process. And I also see it on on your website that you write that if somebody comes in and wants to work with you, and does not want to give up being a victim or blaming others, you will not work with them. How can you tell if somebody is in a victim role and doesn't want to get out of it and what do you do with somebody like that when you work with them in coaching or in Mm. teaching dance?
1: Mm. Well, I think one is if somebody's not noticing it in themselves to bring attention there. And Um, and then if they're willing, (laughs) if they're willing to notice and, and shift, then we can move, keep moving forward. But if they're attached to being a victim, then I, that's where I'm just not, um, not interested in working with, with that person. Um, if that's more important than than then actually looking at the truth or growth to them then. Um, but if somebody comes to me, then there seems like they want some help, you know. So usually then they're able to go, actually, the part of them that can see bigger can go, okay, yes, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in victim and blame.
0: If we're talking about trauma, which is such a big word, mm-hmm. and it's also you know, talked about in many, many different levels, same as the word embodiment, mm-hmm. <laughs> but trauma mm-hmm. is, right. a, is a is a very popular topic, which I think is really important. Um, but if we're talking about uh, the role of the victim, I think there's different stages to dealing uh, with discovering or healing trauma. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes it's really difficult to... Um, sort of walk the line with somebody who has been traumatized and to also kind of feel the pain, really feel the pain and also the anger around having Mm -hmm. experienced something like that and staying in the role of the victim or staying in the role of giving up um, power. Um, Mm -hmm. It's quite specific, but... um, would you would you agree that this is a very fine line to navigate people through?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, because of course you don't want to blame the person who was victimized and perpetuate that. Um, and it's a really about helping that person reconnect with their own autonomy, sense of their own power getting them resourced enough that they can actually then meet the trauma and move it through their system so that their um, psychophysiology isn't um, isn't in the trauma vortex uh, the of lo- the loop. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get them resourced? So, <laughs> how do you get them resourced? resourced? Um well, one way is, is helping the uh, person I'm working with to see if there's a place in their body that feels good or relaxed or um, safe um, or calm. And if that's not possible for somebody, then uh, an external resource, maybe it's something visual, like something that they enjoy looking at, or maybe it's an animal they have. Um, or even a memory of a time they felt, uh, felt good in their, in themselves. So it's quite
0: present. It's quite something that's here. Like if we're talking about the body, it also brings us into the present moment. So grounding, mm-hmm. grounding, in something that's um, also maybe physically. Um, Like if we're talking about the body, it's also something that I can hold or touch. Like if I'm talking about my heart Mm -hmm. or my belly or even my knee, it's something that I
1: can see Mm -hmm. and
0: I can touch. And so it kind of brings me also into the present moment.
1: Mm. Yes, yes.
0: Um, This word embodiment, I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, I use it in my descriptions. I even have a holistic dance embodiment training which is the second Mm -hmm. part of my teacher's training because I I include more of the big topics, archetypal topics in it. But I encounter it on so many different levels and I encounter it in so many different uh, areas. And I'm really, really wondering what do people mean? Like if we're talking about embodiment, (laughs) if I talk to you or some other dancers and Uh, body psychotherapists, I feel like we have such a different sensibility around it than if I just even talk to a psychologist who is primarily um, busy with words, or if Mm -hmm. we're talking about embodiment. um, I mean, there's so many, it's been used on so many different levels. Um how would you describe it what what we do or what you do as a body based psychotherapist or as a contactor? how does embodiment mm-hmm. articulate itself what does it need to thrive what are its benefits mm. but what's what what is it that we're doing here maybe also to what's different to just a language based uh sense of embodiment
1: mm. yeah I love the word, and it also feels like it's way overused. Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) I include myself um... in it. I feel like I need to stop (laughs) using it or define it more. That's partly why I'm asking you also.
1: Right, right. So what comes to me when I think and feel into the word is inhabiting the body. And inhabiting with sensations, Um, it's like instead of the brain just being in the head, the brain being in the entire body. And the brain that includes our ability to sense and respond and the intelligence of the body to be awake to what's happening in the present moment. Um, so to be in, in re- to be attentive to let the body be attentive to what's happening and then allowing one's um, responses and choices to be congruent with the intelligence of the whole organism of the body.
0: Now, doesn't that look very different on very different people? Exactly what you just described, inhabiting the body, um, fully allowing an organic self to be here and to articulate itself, but doesn't that Mm -hmm. look very different or or shape itself very different with different people? Mm.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking when you said that, I was thinking about, okay, there may be people who are meditators and they their focus is embodied meditation. And so, um, like for example, Vipassana meditation where you're noticing, you know, different sensations in the body, you're scanning your body and noticing, but you're not um, taking that into movement or to responding with, with the physicality of moving, moving the body versus dancers um, or even contact improvisers. You know, here we are, we're noticing what's happening in our own bodies, but then we're responding with other bodies and space. Um, so those two ways of, embodiment might look really different. Um, And then I think about embodiment in the more of the psychotherapeutic realm of um, where you can really again get information about what are your feelings, what is the emotional state, what is the energetic state by tuning into the body and then letting that be also expressed but not necessarily in a like a creative way Mm. in just a Mm. more of a interactive relational way. Mm.
0: I just have uh, uh, an image of you know some of the I mean, I've, I've been doing contact improvisation for 25 years. I, I think you've been doing it even longer. And there have been so many different moments in my life where I felt so completely alive on a cellular mm. basis where my head mm-hmm. is just a part of me. Like thoughts are just streaming through, but my my awareness is in my spine is in my belly is in my shoulder is in my cells is in my organs and so i think mm. part of what i'm i think part of my quest is, is to describe the depth of possibilities that we can experience our bodies that embodiment can can mean such and such an aliveness and such a mm. also yeah. ability to to be response able when we dance we in contact i mean so much Mm -hmm. about being alive to the inputs that we receive from the outside without having to think or or it's even it's faster than than our thinking it's just more in the afterthought it's like oh that was cool but we're actually already in the next moment you know you know exactly what i'm talking about but there's there's a certain there's this juiciness to it and this like mm. also, I feel like, I know this word is also loaded, but it's a, it, it's almost like a tantric quality and not tantric mm-hmm. in, it, in the sense of sexuality, but so alive, so mm-hmm. oscillating in its energy that it's both physical and energetic. And it's not a place that, that is easy to get to. It takes a huge amount of awareness and a huge amount of practice. Right. But it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's like how, yeah. <laughs> I think that's why we do it. And that's why we like to share it. Right. Because it's, it's I think there's, maybe that's the word. It also has an ecstatic quality to it. Not right. always, doesn't have to be, or can be, doesn't always have to be a young ecstasy, like this high acrobatic ecstasy. And sometimes it's also a yin quality, which is very, soft mm-hmm. and, and internal, mm-hmm. but I think the possibility for that sort of aliveness is just, I think that's that that's for me missing in the word embodiment as it is um, used in sort of a generic way. And I feel like we have access to that through, through the work that we do.
1: Right, and what came to me as you were sharing there was something around Uh, timelessness of where time, you know, linear time just completely fades away and um, time expands so that anything actually is possible or that's, that's when I'm in that kind of state that you're describing. Um, That's what it feels like at anything is possible in any moment because you're in the that creative zone of such attunement and, um, expanded, expanded perception that, um, yeah, people might say this is, that's what a spiritual experience is, and for me that's what it is sometimes. It's a very embodied spiritual experience even though I don't necessarily use those words, but I think it may be pointing at the same thing that people sometimes access in other ways.
0: We're kind of getting towards the end, um, but I Mm -hmm. still have a little bit of time. Um, You particularly work also with uh, active witnessing. You work with authentic movement, which is um, a love that we Mm -hmm. share. Uh, but you Mm. also particularly work with active witnessing. And do you feel like within... First, can you describe it, what it is? And uh, secondly, do you feel like that might be also a way of bringing both that deep embodiment, that deep physicality together with an emotional awareness or an emotional presence? What we were talking about, that in-depth exploration that also requires or that also includes a physicality? So it's a two-part mm. question.
1: Right. Um, well, active witnessing is a subform of authentic movement. And um, classically, it's done in, in trios where there's a, a mover, an active witness, and a sitting witness. And however, when I work with clients sometimes, it's just the mover, <laughs> the client, and me as the active witness where I may be bringing in touch as well as just this uh, quality of witnessing what's arising through them, as an active through their movements. Wi- as
0: an active witness, you have your eyes open or closed. Mm, yes, yes, Yeah. open. So just to explain yeah. it, just uh, for people who don't know authentic movement, I'm going to do a very short version mm-hmm. of this but it's a a dance therapy form that comes uh, from a Jungian background where you have a mover and a witness. And in its classical form, there is a dyad where you have one person moving with his or her eyes closed and one person witnessing who is sitting in one place and listening to him or herself while seeing somebody else move. So active witnessing is actually an extended form of this because you have a third person and that third person has his or her eyes open but is also moving and they're responding to the mover or can you explain that just a little bit further?
1: Yeah, it, it there's a kind of a spectrum of how an active witness may be so... <clears throat> In the whole form, everyone is witnessing themselves. <laughs> There's that part. And as an active witness, not only you're witnessing yourself and your own impulses, but you're in in <clears throat> um, holding holding a space for the mover. Um, and how that is different than the sitting witness is that um, you're moving. So the the mover, may actually want to interact with you, and so they may, for example, want to um, push up against you and you can be a, be there for them to push up against, or they may want to pull, or they may want to be held. Or um, So it becomes more relational. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of relational pieces can arise from having an active witness. Um, and yet um, we're not, we're not, you know, we're letting the body and the unconscious drive it rather than talking about something and trying to figure it out. We're, we're just allowing that. Or aiming um, to create
0: so, an artistic form or even an interesting mm-hmm. dance that's not in the foreground. Right,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Sounds wonderful. Yeah. I know we've been doing it quite yeah. some time, but I also know that um, yeah. we include it in our workshops, but I also know that you right. have really committed to that form and i i I love it because it feels like it it's again it's merging it's merging different aspects of the work mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: now yeah. contact is turning fifty next year
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: how w- what is your wish? For yourself within the form and what's the wish for you for the community
1: mm. wow great question ah uh, for myself within the form that I I keep doing it and loving it and that's how it's been for you know 33 years for me mm. um, so that uh, as as my body changes that I keep doing the listening that is uh, that I'm doing the form in a way that feels really delicious and uh, for my body. So that's the personal. And um, I have no doubt with that. And then as far the as far as for the larger contact community. Um that I'm I love how it keeps evolving, and I love that its roots are in physicality, and that um, that that keeps being the center of the form, of the um, the relationship to gravity, the um, finding finding the physics is the foundation for the creativity to happen because the physics creates safety and um and so when i see people doing the form that is it isn't based in that it feels like something's missing and so i trust i trust in in the evolution that the physics will always be kind of the center of the form where's the ground What's our relationship to the ground? How do we feel the ground through each other? Um, those that those sort of principles um, then and to me, that's like part of embodiment because we're we're creatures of the earth, so we 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 can't pretend that we're not. <laughs> that's a very basic quality that um is central to us as humans on the earth, but also is central to the form of contact improvisation so keeping that as a base as a a basis, and then I'm just curious to see where it keeps evolving. yeah,
0: I think it's great that you uh, you mentioned the word embodiment again because I feel like that's that's really at the at the, the key point of it all and maybe mm. maybe over the years we can come up with another autonomous uh term <laughs> right now we're using mm. it and sharing it with um other uh with with other areas i think i i feel like maybe there's something uh, we can emerge like like another like another term for it that is more specific mm. to the in-depth physicality that we work in um, mm-hmm. I, I I love that about you and I love that about your work that you have such a capacity to expand and to expand your scope and expand your heart also I always feel like you have such a big heart when uh, I meet you and when I see you working with people mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. your description there is also this word um, medicine woman healer that came up and to me you are a healer Uh, and it's Mm. beautiful to see you healing with your body, through your body and through your presence in your body and uh, I thank you for that sharing that Mm. that you share that with the world and that you share it with me
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah and I feel like um, we have such similar paths um, and it's so beautiful to see what you've been doing with your work in such powerful ways Yeah, you're an inspiration.
0: Oh, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Okay, so maybe this is a good time Mm. to announce that we're going to be (laughs) co-teaching during during Easter in Vienna. Um, It's uh, from the, uh, I have to read it, 13th 13th through 18th of April in 2022. Uh, we'll be t- teaching our mm. dancing embodied transform, which is uh, a collection of contact improvisation, authentic movement, somatic work, all around the focus of transformation. Um, Alicia, mm. it's such an honor to uh, be your friend and to work with you. And thank you so much for the wisdom that you shared.
1: Mm. What a pleasure. It's, I mm. love always love connecting with you. Mm. And super love when we can connect in person. Yeah. But this is the be- <laughs> best next thing. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye.
0: Ciao. Bye. Ciao. If you would like to know more about Holistic Dance and the Holistic Dance Institute, please visit us at our website, wwwholistic dance. A-T. Holistic Dance is an invitation to transformation through dance, movement and touch. It was founded by me, Sabine Parzer, in 2010. It is a mix of different methods, a dynamic cross-method approach from dance pedagogical, dance and body therapeutic, systemic and holistic methods. We offer authentic movement, integrative contact improvisation, somatics and applied anatomy, improvisation, ecosomatics, and many more elements. I offer holistic dance workshops, I offer single sessions, I offer teacher's trainings, embodiment trainings, advanced teacher's tracks, year groups, and retreats. I would be very happy to see you at one of our events. And if you have any questions, please write me an email.